0: to walk in the fullness of the knowledge of God. Paul said very clearly in in his word, he said that he wanted to know God, right? There is this lifelong desire to know the Lord and God is continuing to reveal himself to us, his word. We pray that this, by his spirit, to know him better. Uh, Our ministries here at our church, Church, our discipleship ministries that's central to grow their love and knowledge of God. Will you pray with me this morning? Let's pray as a church and just God, as we come to you this morning, thank you uh, as we always do. Thank you for the gift of music to you, Jesus, that points us to truth. We thank you for the edify us, you encourage us, and you lead us the very one who created us in your image. You brought us, Lord, unique and different and distinct and with the different personalities and different. But Lord, then you united us by faith in Jesus Christ, your Holy Spirit. In Jesus, you live inside of us. This Spirit continues to change us, mold us, shape us you've called us to be, families that you want us to be. Collectively as a church, we become more and more godly in the way that we live our lives. Lord, you call us obedience. You call us into a life of knowing you and a constant pursuit of you. You draw near to us. You've made yourself known to Christ You've made yourself known to us and you're collectively tell you that we love you. We thank you for all that you've done for us and are doing and our life, for the grace and the mercy that you daily pour out into us. We thank you for the knowledge given to us. And what we pray this morning, first and foremost, is that Lord, in where we've been broken in our hearts, God, that we would be broken over that sin. That God, we would would surrender ourselves to you fully this morning. We know that you know us better than we know ourselves better. And we know that, Lord, you know deep down in our hearts And we repent of them individually and collectively before we are met, not with a God who condemns us. For, Lord, you tell us in Romans 8, one those who are in Christ Jesus. So, God, we are met with a God who cares, picks us up and keeps us moving forward. You see us in our weakness. You see us in our brokenness. You see us in our frail state, but Lord, you meet us where we are. Live the life that you've called us to live because your spirit now lives inside of us. Ourselves to you, Lord, to increase and grow in the knowledge of you and in our worship of you help us to deeply value, help us to, Lord, deeply as a congregation value worship. The time after Sunday and in moment after moment in our individual life, worshiping you, God, that you would help us to knowledge of you. Your spirit who lives inside of us to know you. better. We pray for the discipleship ministries of our church that, Lord, they would have an impact, impact upon students and upon children, upon us as adults, that we would not just but that word you would transform our lives, for that is what the word of God is intended. Pray that our Bible study classes on Sundays, that our Wednesday night attempts to try to unword your word, would have a profound impact upon us, that it would be to a people that are distinct and different, separated from this community and this world, have our citizenship in us, Lord to strive to know you, to live the way we pray for our men, pray for our men, young men in this church that Lord we would be examples of you, and so, put your hand upon us as young men, that God, you would move, that you would, Lord, that you would help us to be leaders, leaders of our homes. Lord. God, that we would be good people of you, Lord Jesus. This time now, as we look into your word, would you speak to us, would you guide and direct, and give us the courage to respond to you? We pray in Jesus. Amen. You can return to your seats. Thank you, man. All right, with me and turn to the book of Philippians. We're going to look this morning at Philippians chapter 2. Once again, we are in that book. We are our way through it. And I'm excited this morning because we're going to look once again at Philippians chapter 2, a passage that is somewhat of a second part from last Sunday. If you remember, last Sunday morning, we looked at a passage of scripture by on, on the topic, if you will, of the man by the name of Timothy uh, Epaphroditus. You know, we imitate the people that we oftentimes are around. You agree with that? Those of you who are parents understand that very much, because you want your students and you want your children, you want your grandchildren to be around good people and people that will have a positive influence upon on them. God places a very high value on that we surround ourselves with. With Paul said it to the Corinthian church himself. He said this phrase, if you will. He says, bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. We understand that. We get that. The people that we surround ourselves with will have an impact upon the affections of our heart, where our heart is drawn to, who it is and that we're really pursuing in life. What it is doing and pursuing in our lives. The people that we surround ourselves with, we look up to, the people that we look to as an example of how to live our lives will have a life as well. Yesterday we had a service. To, his wife attended our church and is a member of our church. It's interesting and fascinating, and I love whenever I'm a part of a service that has an honored guard, whether guard or police department or fire a man who, who, who had served faithfully the city of Houston in over 30 years as a police officer. And his honor guard, the honor department, came up to Livingston and was part of the service. And it's always moving to be a part of that. And we honored him for his service. We honored him. And when it comes to stage, st- stage so to speak, before the service began, I had a chance to visit with one of the ladies who was kind of directing the, uh, the team that was there um, through all of the rights and the honorable rights of that man. Had served on the honor guard of the Houston Police Department for 18 years. So I had a, was having this conversation with her. And I asked her, I said, do you know a, a gentleman who used to be, who was a close friend of mine, he was the shooting instructor, the lead shooting instructor for Houston Police Department for many, many years. He passed away about 18 years to 10 years ago. He was a very close friend of mine because he was one of our key laymen in the church down in the Houston area many years ago. Very well. In fact, I was part of the honor guard that was at his funeral. His funeral, by the way, was around 16 to 1,700 people came to it. He had had such a profound impact upon not only the city itself, so many people in our community, man, I remember him as one of my Bible study teachers on Sundays. I remember this man as one who was a faithful church, he was incredibly humble, he was a servant at heart. Now think about a man like that, that that's the kind of men that I want to be around me. I want to be uh, those kind of too. By the way, he had passed Discovered that he had had cancer, stage four cancer, had no idea. He had retired from the police department. He was living life with his wife. We still stay in touch with his wife to this day. About its retirement, he finds out he had stage four cancer and he, 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 he passed very quickly. Man, the people that have had had an impact, that Jesus has had an impact on. Those men and women who, who go all in for Jesus Christ, listen, what happens in their life, what will happen in your life is that your attitude will change. Your, your heart will change. The things that really mattered, that, that, that really that bothered you or so that may, may not bother you as much, but the things that, that God loves are the things that you develop a love for. The things that God hates and dislikes are the things that you will develop to a hatred towards, a dislike towards. God's form are our minds, and ultimately he leads you to a place of godliness. He, he leads you to a place of Christ-likeness in your life. Those are the kind of individuals we ought to honor. In fact, what God's going to say to us in this text this morning as we read it together and look at it and walk through it, is that we ought to honor godly men who follow God. And follow in our church and around us. And we got to follow their example. That's Paul's point. In fact, here in this text, we're going to see that Paul's point here this morning is to help us understand this very truth about what God's word says. Look at, the, look at your Bibles with me this morning as I read this. It says in verse 25. In fact, I tell you what. I'm going to back up to verse 19. This was the text from last week. We're going to walk into verse 25. But look at your text with me this morning. Your Bible's with me as team. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth and, How, as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I will trust in the Lord and that shortly I myself will also come. Now, look at the text with me this morning. We're going to focus on this second man in the text. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because, of, because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him. Therefore, that you may rejoice in seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. Verse 29, so receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Paul's point here, that, is, that Paul's point is that we are to honor godly men and follow their example. There were two examples of, of men that he points out here in this text that are worthy of the gospel. If you go back to chapter 1, of course, the very verse that is the central part of this verse, chapter 1, verse 27, he talks about only let the manner of your life be worthy of the gospel, right? And so the two men that stick out of his mind who are worthy of the gospel in the, when it comes to he's Tim thinking about Philippians, the church in Philippi, are Timothy and this man by the name of Epaphroditus. Godly men, honorable men who lived an honorable life. The church here knows Epaphroditus well. He's one of them. Timothy not necessarily is one of them, but Epaphroditus is one of them absolutely. In fact, if you look in your Bibles over in chapter 4, this is the context of, what, of who Epaphroditus is and what he's even doing. It says, I have received full payment. This is verse 18. I have received full payment and more, and I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you send, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So the church in Philippi had actually sent Epaphroditus, one of their own, to Paul to deliver this particular gift. So the church hears about the fact that Paul is in need. He has financial needs. He has the need for somebody to help him, partners to help him. And so Paul then is going to to, to send Epaphroditus back. He's delivered this financial gift. He's delivered this offering from the church in Philippi to him. And so now he's going to send him back. Now look at the text with me again this morning. Because there's a couple reasons why he's going to send him back. Look at verse 26 for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. So he's going to send him back their sake, but he's also going to send him back for their joy. Look at verse eight for 28. I am the more eager to send him, therefore that you may rejoice at seeing him and that I may be less anxious. So he's going to send him back when it comes to joy. Paul's powerful recommendation here is what we see. He's recommending Epaphroditus to the church once again. He's lauding the fact that Epaphroditus has been faithful, that he's done this, that he's his honorable, man, and he leaves no doubt that he faithfully served Christ, and he faithfully served his church. But man, that is honorable. He was a godly man, and he was a man to look up to and to follow their example. Here's the thing. What does that look like? What does it look like to be a godly man who is honorable? Now, whether you're a man this morning or whether you're a female in the room, that's okay. But what does it look like? Like to be an honorable man? Well that's what the text really is us understand, what God wants us to see. And I think there are multiple examples here and qualities, if you will, of what a godly man looks like. If you're a young man, if you're a teenager, if you're an older man, if you're a younger man, whatever the case is, pay attention, right, take notes this morning as we walk through this text this morning. What does it look like to be a godly man when it comes to someone to be an example for? We well, look at Epaphroditus's life. We see is a loyal partner. He was a loyal partner. Look at verse 25 with me. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister in my need. Paul saw it in three ways. He describes Epaphroditus there in three ways. Epaphroditus is what? My brother. He's my fellow worker and he is my fellow soldier. He was a faithful partner to Paul and to the Apostle Paul. He saw him in this, this brotherly way. He saw the importance of his work and this a partnership that he had with, uh, with, 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 with himself and with his work. He had this deep sibling bond with Epaphroditus, a man that had been sent to him from another local church. He had a deep relationship with, with Paul. He saw Epaphroditus is on his team, on his mission team. If you think about what Paul's whole purpose and role is, if you go back to chapter one, verse 12, you'll see that what Paul, when he writes to this church, at the very beginning, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to what? Advance the gospel. What is Paul's point? Why is Paul willing to go through what he's willing to go through? Why is he willing to, Why is he willing to do what he's doing and be in jail as he's writing this letter to this church that he loves deeply? Because he's doing everything to advance his purpose. He knew why God had left him on earth, who walked with him daily in his Lord Jesus Christ was with him. The presence of the Spirit of God was with him in his life and everything was to advance the gospel. And so when he thought of a He thought of that kind of as not someone who was subordinate, but someone who was a co-equal. He was my, and and my, and and he says in verse 25 there, he says, he's my partner. He's someone who's on my team, on my mission team, so to speak, so so to speak. He sees him as this fellow soldier, a loyal partner in ministry. I got to tell you, ministry is spiritual warfare. Ministry is challenging. Ministry is difficult. Ministry, sometimes you go through seasons and periods of suffering where you pray and you pour into people and you pour into churches and you pour into doing ministry in the life of whether you're a Bible study class leader or a small group leader of some sort. You pour into your people. You pray for your people. And ministry is spiritual warfare. Just ask any pastor. Just ask any ministry leader. Paul looked at Epaphroditus and he welcomed him. He said, I welcome this man, this man who is not just this guy that was sent by this church in Philippi. He's my brother. He's my fellow soldier. He's my fellow partner. I mean, this is a God that I love dearly and deeply. I find in my own personal life. That the people who are the most loyal to the gospel, to his church, even to me, are the people that I miss the most. And I think about the churches that I've had the privilege of serving in. When I think about the churches that growing up in a minister's home, in a pastor's home, and I think about the individuals that really, genuinely loved my parents. Loved them, At times they came to them with words of godly criticism, at times, but they did so in such a godly way. In the way that they came, with the right attitude, and with the, to the people, not only growing up, but the, the people that, in my, my own ministry over the last twenty five plus years, that, that 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 mean the most to me, the ones that I miss the most, the ones who I know were walking into heaven when they left this earth and walked into eternity, and rejoicing because they were so faithful to live the Christian life. They were loyal partners. Men, let me encourage you this morning, be that kind of man. Be that kind of loyal partner. Be that person, not just that. He's a loyal partner. He's committed to his mission. But listen, godly partners are also have a deep concern for their church. I mean, Epaphroditus is described this way, right? Verse 26, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed before or because he You heard that he was ill. That's right, he was sick. In fact, he almost dies. He's sent back. Paul's going to send him back. Why is he sending him back? Because they have a deep concern, or he had a deep concern for them. You see, Paul's describing his relationship to Epaphroditus at the beginning of of verse 25. He's describing their relationship with him in verse 26. But in verse, I'm sorry, at the end of verse 25 and in verse 26, he's going to describe Epaphroditus' heart, his passion, his desire towards the church of which he has sent him out, the church in Philippi. He longs to be with them. He had a deep concern for his church. He had a longing for them. In fact, Paul has this very same longing as well for them. Chapter 1, verse 8, Paul says this at the very beginning of his letter to this church. He says, for God is my witness in verse 8, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Y'all, this is not just a stop on a Sunday morning that we gather together and we just hang out and drink a cup of coffee and say hi to each other and go about our way. This is a family. It's meant to be a church family. We're meant to have that kind of passion and, and, and desire for one another, that kind of love and desire to, to, to be in each other's lives. Epaphroditus here in verse 26 has this longing to be with them. He is distressed because of how they perceived him. If you stopped Epaphroditus on the street, he would tell you what was on his mind. And what was on his mind is the church of Philippi. He's not thinking about the edifice and the structure. He's not thinking about the temperature in the room. He's thinking about the people that he interacts with, the people that he loves, and the people that send him out, the people that are in his heart, the people that he loves and that they love him. That's the kind of familiar relationship that he had. Oh, what bothered him here in verse 26 is that he hears that they hear that he's very sick. They hear that he's on his deathbed. In fact, he is on his deathbed and has been on his deathbed. In a moment, we'll see this. A couple ways in which he was, he almost died. He can't wait to leave paul to get back to the church in philippi because he's worried that they're worried about him he wants to give them an update and so he is distressed it tells us in verse 26 there is a sense of anguish that is in his life in fact when you look at this word and you open up the new testament there's only one other place in the new testament that it is used this word distressed that idea of being of having anguish and it's found in mark chapter 14 in description of Jesus Christ himself in mark chapter 14 verse 33 it says that it says it, that Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled you see that's the kind of emotion that's the kind of heart right here in verse 26 that Epaphroditus has this idea of anguish just as Jesus has there in Mark chapter 14, he has this heart. He's describing here, and he is described here in verse 26, as someone who worried more about them than he worries more about himself. That's why he wants to return. I think one of the things that changed in 2020, many things changed in 2020. One of the things that changed in the church was this idea of online Watching sermons online, in fact, right now, right above your heads, in the center of this room, there is a camera on me, live streaming me to people that are homebound, who are necessarily need, and there is the benefit of being able to watch the sermons and the music on Sunday mornings, to go back and watch the the stream of the service. But I think one of the downfalls of that And all the benefits of it is that it began to take the place of the gathering of God's people on a Sunday morning. Made it really easy to just skip church. Really easy to just skip town and say, oh, I'll I'll be there. In fact, sometimes once in a while somebody will come up to me and say, hey, listen, pastor, I'll be out of town this weekend, but I'll be there. No, you're not. going where you're going, and that's fine, but but you're not going to be here. And there is a distinct difference of God's people. We were meant to be in community with each other. And we got to not just be here on a regular basis, to be in each other's lives on a regular basis. There's a doubt that Epaphroditus, Paul, where Paul was in prison, as he's thinking back to the, to the church in Philippi, that it satisfied his need. No, he wanted his people. He wanted to be with the people of God because he he was in their hearts. You see, there is a sense in which he had... He thought about their needs over the needs of others. And that is how you and I ought to approach the local church in our life. And that takes effort. But it also takes a submission to the Spirit of God living inside of us men. You ought to think about the lives and others, uh, people's lives outside of you versus the lives or your own life or self. It takes you submitting and surrendering to the work of the Spirit in your life. I got news for you that when you do that and when you submit to the work of the Spirit in your life, what God does is he re- or he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant being born, the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Verse 10. So that the, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He describes for us how we are to live our lives. Christ gives us the ultimate example. Don't look only to godly men, look to the godly man, the only perfect man in every way. It's Jesus Christ Himself. But that's the kind of mind that we are to have. That's the kind of approach that I ought to think about when it comes to my relationship with Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 10, Jesus describes it this way. You see, the Bible and the New Testament is full of all of these paradoxes in the Christian life. The first shall be last. In order to follow Jesus Christ, you have to do what? Deny yourself, do what? Also, follow him. In other words, there are lots of paradoxes in the Christian life and that we see in the New Testament, we find them here and two of them here, one in begin. This is how Jesus describes it. Men, take note of this and church, take note of this. He says in verse 42, Jesus called them to him and he said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. <clears throat> but whoever would be great among you must be your what? Servant. The word there is diakonos. It's where we get the word deacon. And so we are to Deacon or diakonos, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. That's the word doulos. Both have this idea of slave or bondservant in every way. That's the kind of approach, that's the kind of attitude that I bring. Verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the kind of approach that you and I take. That's the kind of approach that we take when it comes to following Jesus Christ and following his people. That's the kind of heart that God wants in our lives. He's going to go on to say way back in Mark chapter 8, this very verse. This is what he says, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. There's your paradox. That's the kind of approach that God wants us to make. That's the kind of 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 heart that God wants us to take that leads us to being a godly example that other people would follow, that we would have this self-sacrificing attitude. Oh, Epaphroditus didn't set out to almost die. It just happened. He wasn't on a death wish. He wasn't trying to somehow invite suffering in his life, but it just happened. Why? Why? Because he found himself on the road of faithfulness. He found himself in the stream of obedience to Jesus Christ. And it just so happened along the way that he almost dies in doing it. You see, God does not pray faithfulness that everything's just going to be great in our life. In fact, sometimes God leads us into places and through places of suffering and difficulty that we might depend further on him, that our hearts would grow more desp- de- de- desperate and dependent upon him. Well, Epaphroditus wasn't in a, had, didn't have a death wish, but he was so committed over the will of God, over his, rather his own will, that he was committed to risk whatever it took to follow the Lord. That's the kind of man that I want to be around. That's the kind of example that I want to follow. Honor godly men and follow that kind of example. And finally, we see in Epaphroditus very quickly that he faithfully served the church so well. He faithfully serves this church so well. Look at verse 30. Twice it says that he almost dies in verse 27 and verse 30. Why? Because for the work of Christ. How? Well, look at verse 30. Risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Now, you got to understand, Paul had his incredible need. He had the need of help. He needed partners. You see, this is how the church of the living God continues to work. Yes, the power of the gospel, and yes, by the work of the Holy Spirit, but he uses our collective work and partnership to financially fund, to prayers, in prayer support, in going and doing this. And we see this in this passage because we see a man who was willing to go. We see a church that was willing to commit through financial gifts to support. And ultimately, they're praying from a distance, no doubt, for Paul, and they're praying from a distance for Epaphroditus. But back in chapter 4, verse 15, it says, and you Philippians yourselves know what? That in the beginning of the gospel... When I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Man, they were a committed church to pray. They were a committed church to give. I doubt they gave out and they didn't give out of their abundance. They gave sacrificially. In fact, 2 Corinthians 8 points this out. They gave willingly. They gave themselves first to the Lord, then they gave willingly, not out of their abundance, but they gave from their hearts. And when it, could, when it came to this moment in the service, in the church, when they gathered together and they said, hey, listen, we've done all of this work, we've got all this money, we've got this financial gift, who's going to take it? Guess who stepped up to take it? A man out of the back, maybe, steps up and he says, hey, you know me, I'm Epaphroditus, I'm willing to take it. I'm willing to risk my life and I'm willing to take it. I'm willing to do whatever God wants me to do and whatever you would have me do, to go complete, verse 30, what was lacking in Paul's life, in his ministry. He was willing to do whatever it took. So he collected the offering and they sent him out. And so he faithfully serves his church well. When I think of those kind of men, I think of men who are godly, I think of men who are honorable. I think of men who are faithful, doing what others don't want to do, doing something that is sometimes inconvenient, when you don't really have time for it, but are willing to step in and fill the gap. That's how the kingdom of God continues to advance, by the way. And by the way, in verse 29, those are the kinds of men that we ought to honor So receive him in the Lord with all joy and what? Honor, not just Epaphroditus, honor what? Such men. Honor those kinds of men because guess what? There were others. We just don't know their names. Behind the scenes in the church in Philippi, no doubt, who were honorable men, who were men who were godly. Epaphroditus just gets himself in the Bible, doesn't he? Because God is so powerful that he points this example, and points us to this example of both Timothy and Epaphroditus. There are no perfect men. Can I get a witness? But there is one perfect man, it's Jesus Christ, isn't he? That is the perfect man. If you're a young lady in the room, that's the kind of man you want to marry. It's for you to marry him so guess what you you see your emotions and your heart is going to tell you one thing but open the Bible who isn't perfect but is trying to love Jesus and follow his, his example if you're an older woman in the room this is how you pray for your your husband, and you encourage your husband, and you support your husband. How You pray for them. You've been along those lines. Young men. Those of you who are young, 20s, 30s, whatever, whatever your age is, it's all relative. Be a Look to the godly men of Look to the Timothys and the Epaphrodituses. Look to the men who followed Jesus. The men you may not even know very much about and look to their example because they were faithful. And take that example and model your life around those men. Look to the men of our church, the men who are really faithfully following Jesus and get around those kind of men. Spend time with them, Serve on ministry projects with them. Learn from them. Not just how to swing a hammer, but how they open their Bibles. Learn the rhythms of their prayer lives. Learn the way they read their the read the serve in our church faithfully. Learn about the men of Central from the past who served this church faithfully, who now are women and learn from their example. Older men in the room. Commit yourself to being a godly man. No one is, but you, you can take the word of God and you can take the perfect man who is Jesus Christ, and you can towards that end, you can look for ways in which you need to take things out of your life and you need to add things into be a godly example to the younger men around you and to the men around you. You know what Timothy and Epaphroditus had in common? Things are bad upbringings, examples of how to be a godly man. But you know what they had in common? They both loved Jesus. And they both had the Spirit of God inside of their lives that transformed them, become the men that God wanted them to become. is what takes you there. The gospel is what leads you to that place of being the man in the room. You see, Timothy and Epaphroditus, what they had in and what Jesus Christ continued to do in their life, and what the Holy Spirit was doing in their life, through the words of Christ that they wanted them to become. And so you know what the answer is to godliness in your life? Is to first and foremost surrender your life to him. Because what Timothy and Epaphroditus had in common was that at one point, at some point in their life, independently from one another, they encountered the true gospel of Jesus Christ, that God loves us. He cares for us. In fact, God is perfect and holy in every way. There is no sin in him. And they understood that and they saw that in their lives. And they knew that God was perfect and holy in every way. But they also came to face to face with the reality of their own brokenness, their own understanding that they fell short of the glory of God. They came face to face with the reality that they could never, ever earn God's favor in their life. They came face to face with the reality that sin cannot be in the presence of a holy God and I'm a sinner and therefore I could never be in the presence of a holy God. They came face to face with the reality that they could never ever get to heaven by trying to be the best dad or to be the best husband or to be the best coworker, or to be the best small business leader or whatever role that they had. They understood that they needed to embrace Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and they came to that place in their life to do it. And when they did it, the Holy Spirit moved in. And he began to transform the the lives and the minds of these men and to make them and to put them on the pathway of becoming more like Jesus, the perfect man. And that's all God wants you to do in your life. Men and women, young and old, God wants you to give your life to him. And he moves in. And he begins to mold you and to shape you into the man and the woman that God wants you to become. The answer begins with Jesus first. And then he begins to make you into the people that he wants you to be. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. Because that is God's invitation to you. If you don't know him as a savior and Lord, then first and foremost, make the decision to follow him. Make the decision to follow him. This morning, we're going to have a time of response. When we stand and sing together, you'll have an opportunity to come and give your life to Christ. Maybe the Lord is speaking to your heart about membership of this church. It's time to join and commit, go all in. It's time to stop just coming to church and going home. Maybe God's speaking to you about baptism, following through with believer's baptism. It's time to say yes to Jesus. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, then follow through with believer's baptism. That's what he wants next for you. Maybe God's leading you or speaking to you about ministry. Whatever God is speaking to you about, pastoring, missions, whatever God might be speaking to you about, explore that. What's God leading you to do in your life? Oh, we're going to sing. But we're not just going to sing a song. We're going to have a time to, to come and respond to him. If you need prayer over any matter, we'll have some people here at the front to pray with you. If you want to make a decision, you come. Lord, thank you for the time we've had in your word. We give you this time now. Would you give us the courage to respond and say yes to you? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand with us and let's sing. You have the courage to come.
1: What can I give to you? What can I offer to the King for all the love? salvation My hope is built on nothing less morning by morning How great is your faithfulness Come as we sing
0: can be seated this morning. I hope that is your anthem as you begin to start the new week and as we start the new week together as we enter into our community. I want to just mention a couple very quick announcements to you this morning and uh, then we're going to be dismissed. Um, I want to first of all give you a, kind of a heads up uh, to save the date. I know this is super early and it's hard to think about, but hey, it's vacation, both schools coming, not next week. But in July, July the 8th through the 12th, the dates have been set. And we want you to, I know some of you are working on vacations and things like that for the summer and your summer plans. July the 8th through the 12th. And uh, we just want you to save the date. That's all. That's all I really have to say about it this morning. But I uh, just want you to have the dates there to put on your calendar and to, uh, to be continuing to pray about that as we're planning for that. Um, so I want to mention that this morning. Hey, we've got a great opportunity for you to, uh, uh, to grow uh, and be equipped in our adult ministries. And so our UBA, in fact, Steve Brazell's here this morning. Dr. Steve Brazell's here actually this morning. Didn't know he was going to be here, but I'm glad he is. We're going to have a little event called Impact on the Road, and that is going to be a conference that's going to be strategically designed for adult small group leaders. If you're an adult small group leader in our church, you're not going to want to miss it. There's going to be kind of some large groups, but also breakouts and some very important topics. It's going to be held here at Central. We're hosting it. We're going to have it over in the family. Center. We'll have some breakout rooms as well. It's going to be a morning event from 8 45 to 1 o'clock, and it's going to be on Saturday, February the 10th. Saturday, February the 10th. So if you're a Bible study teacher on Sundays or on Wednesday nights, um, you work with adults, we want to encourage you to come. Um, and be a part of that. So that's coming up right around the corner. Also, uh, ladies, those of you who are men and women, who are widows, widowers, we're going to have a school, and that's going to be together that particular day. So I want you to mark your calendars for that. You should be getting a phone call, a personal invite for that coming up as well. Um, But that's going to be on February the 20th, right over in the Family Center. So I just wanted to personally invite you to that this morning. If you are new with us, or you're in the process of joining Central, We have a membership class for you this morning right outside of those doors, across the hallway. You'll meet with me, and I'll be uh, leading that. So if you're interested in joining, it's not a commitment to join. If you're interested, maybe visiting the church, or you're in the process of joining the church, you already have committed to that, we want you to come to that class. That's going to be right across the uh, the way. One last quick announcement, and then we'll get to our giving and and give this morning before we close. We had a great event. I forgot to mention it last weekend, so I wanted to mention it today. And that is we had a great event last weekend with our students. Our students were at an event out of town. We had over 30 students attend that, several adults. And we had six decisions for Christ last weekend out of our student ministry. So praise God for that. Yeah. So I wanted to mention that to you this morning. Several of those students we've already started following up with, and um, we're excited about what God's doing in our student ministry. So um, with that being being said, both in our seed ministry on Wednesdays as well as our student ministry, we need your help. So if you can help serve in seed ministry, our seed ministry is growing. In fact, we had our largest number in seed this past Wednesday night. We had our largest number in our student ministry this past Wednesday night than we've had in a long, long time. And so we need your help. And if you can help with our students, we have a core team of volunteers. But if you'd like to serve with our student ministry, come see myself or one of our student workers. And uh, we'll talk about that, but also in our seed ministry as well as our numbers continue to grow there. So as we continue to reach folks in our community, okay? Now, before we leave today, we wanna have a word of prayer over our tithes and our offerings. And so this morning, we have an opportunity to give before we leave. You can give in person, you can give online. You can drop it off at the church office, of course, but we want to encourage you to give financially so we can continue to do our work here locally, as well as uh, invest in ministries here locally, as well as around the world. So let's give faithfully. Let's give with a joyful heart, out of gratitude. Let's continue to learn the discipline of tithing and um, and our offerings from time to time, okay? So let's stand. Let's have a quick word of prayer, and then uh, we'll give, and we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you this morning for the time that we've had to worship you, the moments in our service, Father, that we've been spoken to through music, through prayer, through the sermon, but also, Lord, the opportunities we've had to respond to you, and we continue to respond to you. We give to you our tithes and our offerings. We pray that you'd use them to grow us to be dependent and uh, dependent upon you for all things. So, find us cheerful, find us willing, find us generous as we give to you. And Father, we pray this morning that you would lead us into our community. You you enter our community, our schools, our workplaces, and our streets. Lord, point us to people who need Jesus Christ so desperately here. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you so much. Forever God
1: is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us. God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us, forever, forever.